0: Me, Alex, and Dan are here with a repeat guest, Tom Bryan from Stereo Gum. Normally, he'd be talking about a historic billboard number one, but right now he's in hot water with uh, BTS fans over the current billboard number one.
1: Which to hear them tell it is a historic billboard number one, also.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fair
2: enough. How does it feel to be a global pariah?
1: You know, it's fine. It's okay. That's like. I had I've had friends who got doxxed after writing negative Taylor Swift reviews. Whoa! And that does not happen to me, so I'm I'm good money, you know.
0: Right, that's a good point. I wonder which uh, fan base is actually more vindictive. I feel like the BTS fan base is like louder online, but that seems much more like vindictive and petty on the the Taylor Swift stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I like Taylor Swift, so I've never really incurred their wrath. So I can't I can't give a good scientific comparison there. But, uh, BTS, they like, my Twitter got reported a bunch of times and I got a bunch of emails like somebody tried to change your Twitter password. And then there was mm. like, an hour where a stereo gun was down because there was a denial of service attack. But, <laughs> uh,
3: <you laughs> I know, did not know that.
1: I think, I think all together, you know, I got off pretty light. At least sure post- this podcast goes up. I don't know. Y'all could be in for it too.
3: Yeah.
2: Maybe. No, I like BTS. So do I. Um, I think I actually, is the song of the summer.
3: I recently posted um, an open question to uh, the Junos, which are, uh, you know what the Junos are, right, Tom? Yes. Canada's, uh, Canada's Grammys. Uh, I posted an open question to the Junos about why they had never uh, nominated BTS for Best International Artist. Did, did you hear that? Racism.
1: Did Bobby uh, Juno or whatever like <laughs> Juno no. or Juno, like call you and say this is why
3: no but I, I was kind of hoping that the BTS the BTS army would ask um, would ask Junos but
0: I think in question. order to bring down their wrath it needs to be framed in a way that seems like an attack on them Uh you know like it needs to be like the Junos said they'll never allow BTS then <laughs> yes. they're going to get motivated you know
3: Mr. Juno told me in Toronto that he personally hates BTS and thinks that they're no good at music and not handsome at all.
2: (laughs) We need a James O'Keefe-style provocateur to go in with a tape recorder and interview label heads in Canada and say, why don't you like BTS? Yes.
3: (laughs) Project Veritas, but for BTS, basically.
2: Project BTS.
0: But I mean, I think the article itself was not even particularly inflammatory. There's maybe like two or three sentences tops where you're kind of like egging them on, but almost all of it, I think, was pretty level-headed and more or less what I agree with, you know?
1: Well, so I think the where people took issue and where I took issue, honestly, when I like sat and thought about it for like more than an hour was like, it's not label-driven entirely, this thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's people who are fans who are organized and who are like, so whoever's listening, who doesn't know BTS has had the number one song in America for two weeks now uh, with a song called butter. It is their second English language single, and it is their fourth American number one now. And uh, all in the last six months, they're apparently like the group that's hit number one, like the most, like with, you know, in in the quickest amount of time since the Jackson five in 1970, um, which is ridiculous. And, uh, and what, what's happening is because when they put out a song, now there's a whole lot of, there's like a whole lot of fans who are like, all right, cool. Let me buy every single version of this song that is commercially available and also stream it a bunch of times. And also like maybe like get a VPN account so I can buy more copies of it that way. Right. Um, That's anecdotally, I think there's been some of that happening. But then that's also what every big artist who comes out with a single does. And sometimes it's encouraged by the artists themselves. So I think it's whack. And like, I don't like the song. And it's kind of like irritating to see people be like, here's how we're going to manipulate it and then act like we're not manipulating it. But at least at this time, it's like fans, you know? It's yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, there's something cool about it on that level. And there's also something about, like, you know, like it, there's there was not a pathway for a group like BTS who mostly sings in Korean and who's not from, you know, here to come to America and succeed. It's like a new thing. And new things like that should be celebrated. I just wish I liked the music more than I do. And I think I got mad about that. Yeah, I was
0: actually... That aspect of it, I was reflecting on that over the last couple of days of like, I grew up in an area with a bunch of like Korean immigrants where maybe like half of my friends growing up were like first generation Korean Americans Uh, and like all their parents only spoke Korean. So they're all bilingual. And I was just reflecting on how like the culture that we were into was either American or Japanese. And that was it. Like every Korean I knew was into Japanese stuff and didn't like any Korean culture really. Like it's interesting to see how that's like flipping now where like BTS released a bunch of Japanese language albums early on to like become popular there. Mm-hmm. And now on the global mm-hmm. stage, they've kind of flipped that backwards where, you know, when I was like 12 years old, it was like we were watching like Dragon Ball Z or what, Like, you know, it was well, wholly K- Japanese K- as far as like Asian culture is concerned.
3: K-pop is kind of unseated J- J-pop as like that, mm-hmm. um, as, as, as sort of the dominant, uh, cultural music outputer, you know.
0: Yeah, they deserve like a lot of credit for that, for sure. Um, I
3: kn- I know that um, I was talking to a friend who lives in China, and I know that uh, in China there's been a move to like counter the supremacy of K-pop because it's very popular in China. You know, it's popular everywhere, just globally, yeah. mm-hmm. Glo- globally huge. And I guess the government has been putting money into having you know a domestic pop industry to you know to compete and it's been a giant failure just from a commercial sense that's
1: amazing well the you know the law in korea has been changed to allow k-pop to thrive more because it used to be every boy band would essentially like break up after a couple of years because they'd all have to go do their like compulsory military service right and now if you're like I don't I don't know exactly what it is but it's like if you're in a pop group then you get to push it back a few years and like not join up till you're 30.
0: Yeah. I started reading about that because you mentioned it in your article and I think it's super interesting cuz they push the age back to 30 for BTS but the oldest guy in BTS is already 27. <laughs> so um there's like rumors that they're just all going to enlist together in like a year or so. And I think that'll be a really interesting, like, cultural uh, moment.
1: It would be like Elvis joining the army for America.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, they're, they're going to get out of the army. Um, they're going to be addicted to whatever the 2023 version of, like, uh, uh, military grade speed is. And then they're going to make uh, a bunch of very weird movies with, like, Chanwick Park. Or...
2: <laughs> Why did they still have a military?
0: When was the last time they did something? It's really just like as a show of force against North Korea. They just like yeah. you're not yeah. gonna have to do any hard work. I bet you're just gonna stand there looking menacing, facing toward the border or whatever. You know?
3: go hang out at the DMZ. And, yeah. um Japan is I,
0: also
2: threatened by North Korea, but they don't have an army. They just count on ours because we kind of got the all the rockets pointed over there.
3: They're not allowed one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, i I kind of after reading this, I was thinking about like. Soft power exports, and like, I wonder what p- percentage of the of the GDP uh, K-pop accounts for. Because I know Korea is like, you know, it's a huge exporter of um, heavy industry. There's like, you know, shipping, but K-pop is just like an incredible, an incredible soft power tool for for that country. Yeah, exactly. even more than it's like industry. hollywood
1: movies in the 30s or something like yeah it's a new thing that the whole world is like fallen in love with and it makes your country seem a lot more glamorous
0: mm-hmm. yeah i was when i was listening to like dynamite and butter i was thinking if anything also i think that like swedish pop song writers kind of opened doors for them too where a lot of those like max martin kind of backstreet boys hits the lyrics are so completely just nothing because they're written by people who are not like English as a first language. So like we already, like Americans already got used to pop songs with completely vacuous lyrics long ago.
1: Well, that goes back to like Papa, right? Like like the, the stuff where it's like, uh, this, this is clear. Like these words were chosen because they fit a certain meter and they Mm -hmm. sounded pleasing like it's not about meaning necessarily
0: and like when you look at the lyrics of like bts's dynamite it's exactly the same as that stuff where it's just like a weird mixture of cliches and like dance to the left dance to the right (laughs) like there's nothing to it but that's okay because everyone's like used to that it's just about does it have a good melody you know it's really
2: no different than a katy perry song lyrics wise
1: well, have you guys seen the thing about how the head of Columbia has a songwriting credit on
2: it? I saw that, yeah. I was looking up who was on there. That, that's some uh, the Goldwaters
3: shit, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, it, or it's like Dick Clark like uh, putting his, his name on a bunch of, like, whatever, songs that came out in Philadelphia in 1959. Yeah. It, it's super gross. Like, Scooter Braun is doing that now with, like, Justin Bieber records, too.
0: Oh, God, that sucks, man. Yeah. It is, it almost feels like, in the same way that the K pop, like almost like a farm system, was an evolution of how pop stars were already created, and they just made it more systematized. This is like another gross evolution in the middlemen just getting the biggest cut they can get. Mm -hmm. And if all your artists start at age 16 to 18, they don't know any better. You know, you can easily insert yourself and swindle them, you know?
2: The guy they based Hesh from The Sopranos on. He did that, and his reward was getting to be on the Sopranos. <laughs> That's so right. kind of paid off.
1: So the so the uh, the BTS guy, the Columbia Records guy, I was I was like complaining about it and being like this is gross. And some somebody tweeted me an interview of like one of the other songwriters because all the songwriters mm-hmm. there's like seven songwriters on this song. One of them is RM, who is the BTS member who's like most fluent in English. And then everybody really? else is just, like, right. industry people. But so one of the writers was saying, oh, yeah, no, this guy was, like, really involved at every level. He was like, no, no, you should do, like, a Michael Jackson thing and you should have lyrics, like, uh, like smooth like butter, like, criminal undercover. And we were all like, that's it. And, and it's, <laughs> like, that makes me hate it so much more. Like, Oh, yeah. The idea of all these people, like, sitting there, like, listening while this dumb fucking executive like just says some bullshit and then they got to write a song out of it. it it's uh it does not make it seem like a more like coherent holistic organic process to me
0: yeah that's bleak but also but that's the thing is like i think the process of creating that song was extremely clinical and inorganic but to be fair the support for uh, pushing it up the chart is really just fans intentionally manipulating it because they like it so much. So like, I wouldn't, like the fans on their part, it's a fairly organic thing, but you're right that behind the scenes it's the most orchestrated kind of bullshit lab made stuff ever.
1: And I also don't know that it's fans liking the song necessarily. Maybe it is. Like, I don't want to speak for anybody, but clearly, because I can't do that. I, I am wrong about a lot of that stuff. Um, but, uh it it seems like a lot of people's identity is like tied in with liking this thing, which is cool on one level. It's like, you got to find community where you can, but it's also like, you know, do you guys, are you really that passionate about this song? Like this song, this like, like little, like compressed, nothing of a thing. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't know how people identify so strongly with it. Like it's fine, but it's, it's a standard uh dance pop song people have such a attachment to like the individual members of the band it's uh it's crazy there's a lot of spite in it too i think where they uh the the guy who's in number two in like the other fandoms and stuff they want to stick it to him right yeah all the other artists which is fun I empathize with them.
0: But yeah, that proves Tom's point that it's not even about the individual song. It's just the idea of the group that they like. Like, in order to support the group, you buy the song, but it doesn't matter about the song individually. It's just the idea broadly that your identity is tied up in the group, I guess.
1: It's also interesting to me to see the language of supporting a thing tied in with this, like stuff that I associate with, like, hardcore or whatever. Like, (laughs) you support it because you, like, buy the zine that the guy made or you pay your, like... 12 bucks to get into the warehouse but it's like no, you're like buying 12 69 cent downloads from columbia records and uh maybe somebody in the group will see like a penny of that one day
0: yeah shouldn't they change it to the amount of money spent on it that's just going to incentivize the opposite uh where the bands with the richest fans are going to go to the top
2: yes (laughs) well at some point there has to be an equilibrium where yeah. you get the, the maximum amount of return on it at a certain what, price.
3: What band do you think has the richest fans?
2: The Rolling Stones. Yeah. yeah, I would say probably the Rolling Stones. Like that guy who owns the the Knicks or the Mets or whatever. The
3: Eagles, yeah. maybe? Yeah, I was going to say Eagles, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, very
0: possible. Don't wait, is it still true that the Eagles have the highest selling album in America yeah. of all time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's still so fucking funny.
1: It. It's been like that <laughs> and Thriller going back and forth for a while.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that Eagles record is crazy cuz it doesn't even have their best songs on it. Is it the
1: it greatest hits? It doesn't have hits?
2: Hotel. Yeah, it's a double disc uh, Greatest Hits it's from 1975. No, I thought it was single disc. Yeah, it's a
1: single disc. It's the first Oh, one. wow, okay. so it's from before the Hotel California album.
2: It's okay. like Take It Easy, Peaceful Easy Feeling, Already Gone. Like most of their what what I consider their best work, which is uh, the last album they did.
0: Uh, how many people do you think bought that out? Al- like, how many millions of people bought that album thinking Hotel California's on it and not even looking at the track list?
2: Yeah, like, it's their greatest hits. It, it couldn't have come out before their greatest hit. Yeah. That would make no sense. Greatest hits to date.
1: It's interesting when people put out the like the greatest hits volume one, and then volume two never comes out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. volume one on that one.
0: Oh, who did i see that from recently it was one of those 90s ba- it was like papa roach i think i think it was corn corn <laughs> had a volume one yeah it's so
2: funny dude i love
3: yeah. to think about papa roach having a greatest hits volume one
2: yeah you mentioned that in your column van halen did that yeah which is i i remember even like 20 years ago seeing that as a kid and being like i don't think they're gonna make more hits <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, are you sure? it's like tempting fate when you do that
3: yeah I think it only works for like you know like it worked for David
1: Bowie I think oh like Changes Bowie or Changes yeah, Bowie and Changes
3: changes to Bowie yeah
1: well Madonna put out the Immaculate Collection volume 1 in like 1990 so it really was like the midpoint of when she was running it but then she finally put out another greatest hits album and she didn't call it volume 2
0: oh funny <laughs> Damn, huh. I'm pretty sure Jay Z did a greatest hits volume one that goes all the way through like the blueprint three or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, dude.
1: The, the greatest I was one of those... is like completely like obsolete now because now, like, whatever streaming service just has its own playlist for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. they have yeah, one for point. every artist that updates. If you're gonna buy yeah. an album, it's of an artist that you like a lot. Whereas if you're looking for greatest hits, it's an artist you like so little that you're just looking to go on Spotify and hit up like four songs. Mm -hmm. If I was one of those
2: artists, I would put out a volume two of the greatest hits no matter what, even if it was just (laughs) the same track list as like a shitty album of like American standards that I put out in 2013. (laughs) That's just going to be the track list. Volume two. Yeah. Wheels on the bus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care what it is. (laughs) I would White do Christmas. Greatest hits Volume Two of all original material, all new <laughs> yeah. songs. Uh,
3: it is it is weird to go on Spotify and see a band that has that is just starting out and has like a limited catalog. Maybe they have a couple EPs or singles. And then directly underneath the track listing they'll be like, This is X band. <laughs> and it's just all the same tracks and nothing else.
0: They ain't lying. That's No, them.
3: they're not lying.
0: Yeah, I think um... When it comes to like the actual sound of the English language uh, BTS singles, in the article Tom, I feel like you kind of nailed it that they're just basically Bruno Mars knockoffs uh, with varying degrees of success. Like "Dynamite" sounds like a Bruno Mars song. It's like a fun song.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like fine, and it like that was that was number one for three weeks, which is like an achievement because usually when these things come out, they're number one for a week and then they blink out. Like that's almost every song now. So it's like when a song hits that second week, you that's when you're like, oh, okay, like people actually really do like this. So like, i got to eat my words on Butter, the second one. I, I was wrong. I thought it would fade out right away, but I guess people have kept buying it or whatever. It's, it's number one, two weeks now. Maybe it'll be it again. I don't know. I'm curious,
0: uh, Tom, I'm kind of thinking about how right now your your column is very retrospective and there's enough distance between when those songs were new where it's like kind of archival or whatever. Mm-hmm. But once you eventually get up to the present day, I think, what are your thoughts on how it's going to be to write about Butter having been through this experience? Like that's a whole different column almost, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
1: I, I, hopefully I'll have a little bit more distance on the song and I can talk about where it's like, situated historically. But yeah, it's going to be weird when... I'm writing about a song that's, like, a month old. Um, but, you know, these songs still have stories, so I think I'll still be able to tell it then. What's weird now is I'm, like, like getting into, like, the very beginnings of, like, my music-buying age. So I'm writing, right. like, Bobby Brown and Guns N' Roses and Poison and stuff. And, like, I, I owned all those albums. Yeah. So it's uh it's 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 fun. I, I like this part of it where, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I actually, like – remember where I was and like what people wore and stuff like that.
0: Do you find that it changes how you write it or is it kind of the same process, just more familiar to you personally or.
1: It, um, it hasn't really changed the way I write it too much. What I've noticed happening is that my sort of levels of passion when talking about it, whether I like or don't like something are like a little bit higher, like, if it's like my prerogative by Bobby Brown, I'm like, yeah, fucking ten out of ten, awesome, banger. <laughs> like, I won't, I won't hear criticism of it. Or if it's like I yeah, I don't know, like some Phil Collins song. Where if it was from 1985, I'd be like, whatever, it's fine. Now I'm like, no, I hate to hear about
2: Bobby Brown
1: song. Yes,
2: the Genesis stuff from 1990 or whenever that was. That stuff kind of bites. Uh, the post invisible touch. The stuff. I
1: can't dance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No son of mine. The, the, yeah. That those, those era those are is rough fucking terrible.
3: Peter Gabriel, too, went through. I, I don't know. I feel like after so, he put out some kind of questionable stuff and then maybe sort of found his footing again.
1: Yeah. He had like a, he had some like years in the wilderness. I think he like wasn't putting out music for a while. He was my my second concert. It was uh, Peter Gabriel and Midnight Oil and Arrested Development.
2: In oh, well. oh, hell yeah.
3: That's a, that is a fucking bill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? Uh, it must have been 94. It was Peter Gabriel's Womad Festival. Right. I must say, it was sponsored by Fruitopia. It was like the most fun <laughs> that's ever
2: happened. Earth and sun and moon.
1: Yeah. It was a good day. I had a good time. My dad took me. They had like some Chinese flute players and stuff. They had the spoken word poet from the movie Higher Learning. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: is a thing that does, uh, has kind of fallen out of the uh, cultural zeitgeist. Spoken Just word. Sl- slam poetry, yeah.
2: yeah. They had it during the inauguration. People raved about it.
1: Oh, that's right.
3: <laughs> was I'm that slam like
2: poetry?
1: Pseudo-rapping, though. It was like a different thing.
2: It was, yeah, it was more like... I, I feel like for spoken word, you have to like move your hands around a lot. You have to have a hacky sack within six feet of you. Yeah, it's a it's a vibe.
1: You have to do the thing where you emphasize a word and then it slowly fades out. Yes.
0: Yeah, it always makes me think of uh, the Simpsons where Homer drops the bomb on the hippies that are doing that, like "How <laughs> now, brown bureaucrats."
3: Yes. <laughs> Dennis Leary may be the last great
1: slam poet.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: I had a real cadence. It was like a real like. You thought it was funny, even if you weren't, like, absorbing the words. When he was in those little, like, MTV bumpers. Yep.
2: That footage of him you told me about, Dan, in uh, the... Uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best thing I've ever seen Dennis Leary do. Yeah. Because he's it, not trying to be smart. He's trying to be stupid. And Tom, it's great.
3: Have you, uh, have you ever seen that, the excised footage of, of Dennis Leary from... Natural Born Killers. I don't think so. What does he do? He's like, he's in a kitchen um, and he just delivers, uh, I guess you could call it slam poetry. He was, I think Oliver Stone wanted him to be the kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of the narrator in between segments. And and they ended up cutting all of it out. But this, this one little chunk remained. I don't know, Alex, how would you describe it?
2: He's like doing a parody of maybe uh, a street preacher. Okay. Like a guy who's like FBI, CIA, NSA.
1: Well, that's kind of what he does in Demolition Man, right? He's like the guy who's like trying to tear down the structures of society. <laughs> that's true, actually.
2: Yeah. People, now that's people, just people Tom McDonald.
1: In the early 90s, and they were like, like, bam, like rebel leader. Like, this is the guy who's going to rally the troops.
3: Yeah, he was the uh, he was the scariest thing for America at the end of history.
1: You know,
2: Tom McDonald is bringing that back. Yeah, I haven't thought of Dropping that.
0: Dropping bombshells—that's interesting. Though.
1: I I keep thinking maybe I should write about this whenever one of his things comes up, and then I'm like, yeah, no, that's not a hornet's nest. I really feel like kicking. He's been yeah.
2: so ignored by the media for good reason because he sucks. <laughs> but it, it's interesting how like all, all of these conservative people love him. People who the last album they bought was The Eagles' Greatest Hits, 1975. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now they're listening to tom mcdonald
0: and pretending it's awesome that is what's frustrating about it though is like this shit sucks so the media shouldn't cover it but then it justifies his fans worldview like they won't cover us they're they're blacklisting us you know and it just like feeds exactly what they want
3: yeah you're not being ignored for truth you're being ignored because it stinks
1: like
2: yeah it's just not very good
3: it's like it's a it's just abrasive,
1: and I definitely watched it happen where he like steered right into that and was like, "Oh, this is my niche now." Yeah, like I think I think he popped up on my radar when he was beefing with Mac Lethal, who's like a very wordy rapper from Kansas City, who's like somebody's dad. You know, he's like a yeah. old white dad who like raps about pancakes while he's cooking pancakes. You know? <laughs> um, and he was beefing with that guy for some reason. And it was like, and now he's, I guess he's beefing with a what, woke culture.
0: Yeah. He steered yeah into that niche and realized how many fucking clicks he'll get. Like his, what, his new song that's, like it was posted in the Fortune Kit Discord a couple of days ago, his new one, because everyone who disagrees with him listens to it now just to be like, man, this sucks. You know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: It's called Snowflakes. Yeah. And he's anti-abortion now, I guess. It's He's just, just like just, Donald Trump, though, where he makes up his political positions for whatever gets him the clicks, you know?
3: Right, okay. Yeah, it just seems like the easiest grift right now Like, would be to, I don't know, just position yourself as an anti-woke uh,
1: yeah. entertainer. Like, like, this is what you guys like? Okay, I'm this now. Like, uh, like Caitlyn Jenner's gubernatorial candidacy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's the, this whole thing is just the fucking Krusty the Clown uh, episode of of Simpsons, where he where he becomes a Bill Hicks-style comedian. And then at the end, he's just like, I was born a shill and I'll die a shill, basically.
0: <laughs> that is one way to be an entertainer, I guess.
2: It's such a great griff because when people look at it and scoff at it, they just take that as proof that they're speaking truth. Yes. No matter how much you laugh at it, they take it and it's like, well, yeah, you would think it's stupid because you're brainwashed.
1: Which is why I don't want to write about it, even though look, maybe there's something interesting about this guy using rap to do this. I just like, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that conversation.
0: It's yeah, just I think not worth right, it. You're yeah. right to not. But it is very
2: it. interesting. Yeah. Seeing the- old ass people get into rap because it happens to agree with their preconceived opinions. And then it
0: makes them feel enlightened, like, oh, I can get into, like, hip-hop, too. And the media won't cover it, just like I expected, you know? But I think it is right to just ignore it. Because if you if you react negatively, that's what they want. And if you act positively, that's what they want. So the only thing you can do is ignore it, you yeah, know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Once
2: Eminem became a lib, that's when that niche opened up. Because the people whose favorite rapper was Eminem, and they think he's the greatest rapper of all time, if they like Trump, him saying fuck Trump, that turned them off of Eminem. So someone's got to fill the void.
1: He was doing that in the Bush administration. I
2: remember. It is true, but they, the, it seems like they didn't notice.
1: The, yeah, the 04 election, uh, Eminem came out with a song called Mosh that was like a vote for a John Kerry song. I yeah. remember seeing the video and being like, well, this might swing the election. Like the.
2: Yeah, me too. walk like ass
1: <laughs> dumbass. Like. That, like no that's not how it works it's so easy to be like well i like this guy i don't care what he thinks i do it all the fucking time with like you know like people who say terrible you know, what like how many like rap videos did i watch during the pandemic of like a million dudes on a street corner or in somebody's kitchen and nobody's got masks on and for yeah. a second, i'm mm-hmm. like jesus christ everybody's gonna get covid And then I'm like, well, but I like the song,
0: though. Yeah, it is tough. That's like a tough intersection to navigate of like politics and music where it's like, there's definitely some certain lines where it's like, okay, fuck this person. But when it comes to stuff like that example, it's just like, I wish they wouldn't do that, but what effect does it really have on listening to this song? Like, yeah.
3: Like, it's do I feel like, do I feel bad that I bought five copies of the new Van Morrison double album? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am I going to stop listening to it?
1: No. What if Van Morrison did a song with Tom McDonald? It's like not off the table, you know?
3: That would be so
0: sick. Oh yeah, God. That'd be, that'd be amazing.
3: Van Morrison, Morrissey, who uh, is having trouble getting his latest record released, apparently. Oh, and, I saw
0: him posting about that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And Tom McDonald. Yes. Like, Dude, is because it. he's
0: problematic
2: or because it's bad? Uh, probably a little of both. Yeah, that's my guess.
0: And then, of course, Morrissey loves to be a victim too, where it's just like, I'll do it myself if I have to. But you know,
1: Morrissey's audience is probably not dipped that much. Like, yeah. uh, he's like, he's on the new ASAP Rocky album, apparently. Oh, or weird. Like, produced part of it or something. Like, really? Yes. ASAP Rocky did an interview with GQ like a few weeks ago, where he was like. I've been doing a lot of work with Morrissey on this. I'm, like, a big fan. He, like, always shows up when I ask him to. And, like, I've been, like, writing songs with him and stuff.
2: That's what he's got, that he's uh, very punctual?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is my friend
2: Morrissey. Very punctual. He (laughs) always shows up. Always (laughs) on time.
1: But it's, like, fucking... I don't know if Lil Uzi Vert is still into Marilyn Manson. I bet he fucking is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Marilyn Manson probably still has a lane open for himself.
2: He's like a fucked up guy and people who thought he was cool because he's a fucked up guy. Like, I don't know if they, uh, that's just part of the persona, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off a dove. He's, he's crazy.
0: Yeah. I even remember like Waka Flocka talking about Kurt Cobain that way, where he was basically saying like Kurt Cobain opened up doors for guys like him where like, there's a lot of artists who see themselves in like a, A multi-genre lineage that has nothing to do with what they actually make you know
1: or like who they are or what they say in an interview or whatever yeah
0: yeah i think going back to that hypothetical of like a tom mcdonald and van morrison kind of collab that's not that far-fetched because like if people get mad about it they'll be happy and if people like it they'll be happy it's another one of those things where it's like why not do it? You know, it'll get them both attention.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just if can't it lose. It's like a it's a winning formula. I now I'm rethinking, I'm rethinking some things now, music career. <laughs>
2: yeah, Wolf Parade and Tom McDonald. <laughs> yes, Van Morrison's going to have to pivot though because he's kind of been all about COVID and lockdowns, and that's yep. over. So he's, he's going to have to get mad about shit. like uh, critical race theory. Maybe get into like New York Times hiring decisions or something like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, when we looked
0: at his album a few weeks ago, I really liked the song uh, just being bitter about divorce court and child custody. (laughs) I want to see him go into the personal grievance world, you know?
3: He's going to become a big dad's rights guy. Yeah, maybe that's what radicalized
1: him. I don't know.
2: That's an open lane. When Puddle of Mud Blurry came out. Where he's like uh, playing with his kid and then the mom and her new boyfriend shows up and takes the kid away. (laughs) That resonated with a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and also like Van Morrison's fan base is old enough where there's going to be a bunch of people with that same bitterness and resentment.
1: Yeah, he'll be speaking directly to them. I don't think Van Morrison is actually selling this album though, you know? I think it's just like it's what he felt like doing and it probably is selling about what the last Van Morrison album sold that was all fucking blues covers or whatever.
0: That's a good point, yeah. And then, you know,
1: when he can play shows, people just want to go hear Moon Dance or whatever. They're not going to give a shit about what he said about COVID.
2: I would guess most people aren't listening to it. Or they're putting it on in the car once, and then like, they put in whatever else. They put in the Eagles' Greatest Hits, uh, and they never listen to it again. It goes in the CD pocket thing. Although,
3: imagine... Okay, Van Morrison tours again. COVID COVID subsides. Touring is back, and you're like one of the few people who got into Van Morrison through this record, and you're still completely pilled about masks and government control. And you watch the show, and he doesn't play a single song off it. <laughs> he probably will though.
1: It's probably yeah. like oh, probably yeah. he I bet like, like he's going to be mad that people want to hear Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 Do you really like I, I am curious how many people became Van Morrison fans from this album, though? It's I mean, I would expect it to be like single digits. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah.
1: four. Yeah. like,
2: yeah, <laughs> maybe there are reverse Tom McDonald people where instead of being an old fuddy duddy who gets into rap for the first time, you're a kid who's only listened to rap nothing else. And then you hear this and you're like,
0: I actually really like lame going through the motions blues. (laughs) God. And that album being so long too just tells you where his headspace was. Like he really doesn't care if people make it through the album. It's like over two hours long. It's like Amigo's album. I guarantee
3: you he's forgotten that he's written. I probably a third of those songs. You'd be like, maybe (laughs) I was going to say he's forgotten that he's written, that he wrote, uh, They control the media, but I I think he probably remembers that
1: one. Yeah. Maybe he's just writing all these songs so he can game the streaming services like Migos. That's actually not a bad uh, theory.
0: Well, I I actually thought of that and I checked his Spotify and none of the new songs are in his top 10. (laughs)
3: It's
0: (laughs) all Brown Eyed Girl, you know, different songs from Astro Weeks. Like it's exactly what you'd expect.
2: If that got higher than Moondance, that would be insane.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they control the media. Then Moondance.
2: I would have to agree with him if that if it was that popular, they do control the media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess so. And his clarification on that was it's Boris Johnson. Yes, <laughs> wow, really? So he's just mad at everybody. Yeah, he's mad at Boris Johnson for not being COVID skeptical enough, uh, okay, all like right. that they did a lockdown at all, <laughs> Which or he is- just means Jews.
0: I don't know, yeah. I think it'd be funny if BTS having to join the military in like a year or two, either politicizes them or like pushes the government to try to make them make some kind of nationalistic song. You know.
1: Well, that, what if that first was first, when first war so broke They out. don't have to because the mere existence of them and like the global popularity is doing the work of Korean nationalism, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And
1: that, that is their service. I mean, I don't know what South Korea's national interests are like on the global stage, but I would imagine that just having a thing that because it, BTS is globally popular, like they're huge in fucking South America, you know, mm-hmm. like they're big in like Portugal, like they could they could play a stadium pretty much anywhere, and uh, which is kind of what's interesting about them the phenomenon of bts is so much more interesting to me than the music um
0: yeah i agree with that
1: yeah and which i you know when i got mad and was and wrote that thing like i think the charts are fucked the fuck up i don't think it's bts's fault or bts's fans faults it's just this is what everybody is trying to do and they mobilized their fans so much better than everybody else like there was a thing a few weeks ago where um uh, levitating by Dua Lipa, like got like a second wave because people were into like made TikTok videos with it or something. Like it had a little TikTok wave, so a whole mm-hmm. bunch of Dua Lipa fans were like, "Oh shit, we can do this now. We can get this song to number one." She's never had a number one in America, and there was this whole campaign for people to buy the song, and it didn't work. It got it. it they got it to number two, and then it. it petered out
0: yeah it's definitely to bts's credit that in a broken system they know how to play the game the best i guess yeah
1: and it's like if there is no mainstream because there's not it's like the the idea of a song actually coming along and like capturing a whole lot of people's imaginations is like it's it's not that it doesn't happen but it's such a rare thing when it does like driver's license did that this year and that's like the only song that's done it as far as i can tell
0: yeah actually and thinking more about the bts example it's like it's kind of working on both sides where also the label is just manipulating things by offering the discounted instrumental track that counts as a sale of the main track like yeah there's stuff like that that's still pretty frustrating but the good side of it is that like at least there's some genuine interest there like yeah there is it's not the most fucked up system it's just not ideal either i guess well cool
3: and it's totally reflective of in other forms of entertainment like it it is like you were saying tom like there's no mainstream so it's just competing tribes of fandoms like uh and i'm i'm thinking about like the snyder cut you know yep (laughs) like all the online discourse around the snyder cut and then it comes out It, it actually happens and it seems
1: like it people had to take the L on that one. For they really did have to take the L on that one. <laughs> yeah, and like I liked the Snyder Cut. Like I had fun with that. You know, that was like a fun night smoking weed and watching TV. Yeah. So you know, chalk one up for the fandom. There, it was definitely better than the other one.
2: How come our listeners can't get us to number one on iTunes? Yeah. <laughs> How, it seems yeah, like that would be really easy. Yes. Yeah, we're going to start the, manipulating was, like,
1: Tweeting about the BTS thing, one of the things I said was like, this is all pretty foreign to me, like the idea that you would be winning if the thing that you like was number one, because most of the stuff I like just never had a shot at it. And somebody, like, I got a lot of tweets after that that were like, it's because you don't support what you say you like. And if you did, then you would have done it. And, I, and it just made me think about like, okay, what if – I've never been in a fan club or a hive or something, but like, if I got all my friends together in 1995 and said we all need to buy 12 copies of Red Medicine the first week it's out, like we need to get Fugazi to number one. Like, I would have been in that club, buddy. Right? (laughs) But like, it. I did buy it as soon as it came out. I I did too. But like, you know, that like that was all you were expected to do then. Is you buy the album and then you go see the band when they come to your town. And, but it also yeah.
0: kind of, that makes me think of something. I feel like that's something we've touched on on the show a bunch, but like ultimately for most genres of music, almost everything is a niche, right? Where really I just hope that the bands I like are making a living. I don't give a shit if they're number one or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I hope yeah. they're getting by and doing their thing so they can keep doing their thing. You know, that's yeah. what it's really about.
3: Yeah. And I think, and I think, I was just thinking like I think this fandom like the the intensity with which people feel the fandom and and push you know push butter to number one or buy the instrumental um, I think a lot of people right now don't feel like they have any agency over their own lives. They can't change anything in the material world that seems like far away to them. but to be able to do something like take your favorite band and push their single to the top of the charts that's pretty big right
1: yeah that's interesting I, think, I hadn't
3: thought of it like that that's like affecting actual change in a world where people increasingly have you know no control over what happens to them
0: yeah absolutely i think it's
2: kind of like when 4chan used to rig online polls
1: it's exactly like that
2: when they made the new mountain dew flavor hitler was good and like uh, <laughs> <laughs> said that justin bieber should tour in north korea next it's yeah. that kind of feeling. It's like if send, we all
1: sit together and yell to about something. Yeah, yeah, make yeah. that. Yeah, big people going to that Walmart in Alaska.
2: <laughs> That's real power. That is power. <laughs> it's the power of the mob.
1: And you know, I've seen it now. Like I, I, I had my fucking mentions bombed for a week straight or whatever, and it was. Just, it maybe be like I don't know if I want to fucking write about BTS again. Like I'm not like it's, not, it's it hasn't affected me or anything, but it's still just like. Okay, you can see that there is a great deal of passion and a lot of people who actually like feel ways about this. Mm-hmm. And so then, okay, so there's this also, also this thing where like someone who was not in the BTS hive or whatever like tweeted at me and was like, What the fuck are you talking about? Like, if a song, if a lot of people buy a song, how does that not make it popular? Which, like, a fair point. And then you, and then B, like um, I start like I had like a night where I couldn't sleep and was just like clicking around shit on Twitter, and I would I like clicked on this guy's profile and he was getting bombarded with love from BTS fans, and he's like, I want to say he's like an indie rapper in Toronto or something, and so like BTS fans were like buying his music and like Venmoing him money and shit, and he was like, huh. I'm taking my wife out to dinner tonight on the bts army thank you guys so much and it was just like well that's kind of cool like i'm sorry i'm like i felt like i was kind of on the wrong end of history not that i wanted them to buy me dinner but it was just like oh no people (laughs) actually care like it's not just a fully hermetically sealed label created thing
2: yeah people are getting paid to yell at you yeah i don't think yeah (laughs) that's a good way to
1: yelling at me about the fact that i was getting paid by like not the fact about the speculation that I was getting paid by like Olivia Rodrigo's people or whatever, or like a, <laughs> wow. competing K-pop firm was paying me.
0: We need to take down BTS. I know what we'll do. We'll get an article on stereo <laughs> gum. That'll do it.
1: Yeah. You know, like,
3: uh- every every now and then i feel like i feel like i'm finally living in the neuromancer future i thought i would be living yeah, in. Yeah. And, and this is definitely one of the, this is, those this moments is talking about this competing k-pop firms
1: well, this, well that's a real thing right so like yeah um a bunch of like i got a lot of tweets like that i'm racist or xenophobic or whatever That i'm trying to gatekeep american pop from these like korean interlopers and then somebody else was like no no they like dug up a bunch of old tweets that I'd done about like this group called Big Bang, who was a K-pop boy band who are now on hiatus because they're all in the military. Uh, who right. Like they put out a bunch of videos that I loved in like 2012 or whatever that seemed like really crazy and futuristic. And I was writing about them where it was like, "Do you guys know about this fucking shit? Like this video has 600 million views, and these guys are like." dancing on tanks and it rules and uh um and so i got a lot of people being like oh this guy's a stan of second generation k-pop and he's bitter that that stuff didn't break through or like oh wow uh, (laughs) i got a lot of like you're just a yg stan and it took me a minute for me to realize that they were not talking about yg the rapper
0: yeah that's what i assume
1: to this but uh i could credibly be accused of standing for but like uh the yg entertainment was the name of the uh or is i guess the name of the korean entertainment company that the big bang fell under which is a different competing <laughs> entertainment firm from i think it's called big hit entertainment which put together bts
2: yeah so people are stands of the companies themselves yes yeah. Oh man, that's depressing. But
1: that's like it's like Marvel versus DC or whatever, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. I was just gonna say it's, it's you got to pick
2: one. You can't like them both. I only drink Pepsi. <laughs> if anyone drinks Coke in front of me, I will put a bullet in their brain. You can't like Sub Pop and Four
0: AD.
1: Or like <laughs> what Burger King and McDonald's or whatever, right? Like yeah. that. Like when Burger King and McDonald's are being like yo we got the fucking quarter pounder what does burger king have nothing and they're encouraging you to be like invest some part of your identity into being like no no fuck burger king i'm a mcdonald's person
0: i got too many mcdonald's stands in my mentions after (laughs) i was talking about how the whoppers better fuck burger king
1: which you know so like that the that's an interesting thing because it orients everything around these two poles and shuts out everything else.
3: Maybe this is a grim window into the future where, you know, it's 15 years from now, I won't be able to do an episode because the Burger King militia will have shelled be, been like shelling my neighborhood because <laughs> yeah. I, I live in a historically uh, McDonald's
2: associated. <laughs> the monarchist forces. Yeah. You got to pick a side. McDonald's all the way. Better fries. I'm, I'm not going to say that here, just in case. BTS <laughs> endorsed, by the way. Oh, it's true. Yeah, yeah, they have
1: like a meal or something.
2: Yeah, oh. it's only the sauces, apparently. They just I've give had, you BTS sauce, but it's just regular McNuggets. I've had Korean McDonald's, and
3: I can say that it is very good. And I don't think it was just a novelty. It was It was delicious. But um, I, I played some shows in Korea like... Back in 2011, 2012, and quickly realized that, um, be, like the existence of K-pop, kind of was was just like a huge gravity well that negated any uh, any kind of other subculture. Yeah, what's in it a lot like of in indie
1: rock in Korea? Is there like it was fucking Americans weird showing up?
3: Yeah, uh there were more expats per capita at that show than any other show we played in in Asia on that on that tour like you know like Vietnam was mostly Vietnamese kids at the show. Uh China almost entirely Chinese kids. But Korea was a lot of people teaching English um and and not a lot of Korean kids. And I remember talking to we were playing in Daegu uh and I talked to this group of korean kids afterwards and (laughs) they got the i was like oh you guys are just like super nerds like you like arcade fire and wolf parade and like you are a very small clique of people yeah that's like
1: a deep niche
3: there yeah yeah i mean i could i'm just basing this on four shows but uh that was that was definitely my takeaway was that this country had a inbuilt culture that was like not just not just uh, very popular but also like on the rise you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like something they could be
1: very proud of well, they have this, the, this uh, annual award show in Asia called the Mama Awards that's like they'll have it in like different cities around Asia but it's always entirely K-pop like it'll be in Hong Kong but it'll be like everybody from K-pop is there and that's like all the performers and right. I always go through and check and see like if any Western people are on the bill at all, and it'll be like James Corden, like introducing an award live via satellite. (laughs) And then they'll have like one artist. And so like one year it was Wiz Khalifa. And one year it was like the Pet Shop Boys. And it was just like, how does this happen? And like, what did they think when they go over there? And do these people have any idea who they are? It's just interesting to think about. Yeah, like, and they're like first of eight or whatever on yeah, the bill, yeah. so to speak. And they're like singing a duet on one of their songs, but with like, a, you know, a Korean singer. Yeah. It's a, you know, it, it seems like, it, it, like, it would be like if fucking a, a Korean performer came to America in 1965 and just nobody gave a fuck. Like, it would be like, we have our own thing going on over here. And we have just, the only way we know of the existence of Korea is there was a war over there.
3: Yeah. yeah the people would be like, oh, that's, uh, that's very cool. Have you heard of uh, this band, The Doors? <laughs> <laughs> yup. Uh, the singer's so
2: nice. dad, is, uh, he's been <laughs> fucking around over your guy's way. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And when, so when I was like, you know, watching K pop videos for the first time, like, you know, nine or 10 years ago, it was like, like, holy shit. Like we don't have anything like this anymore. Like we're getting lapped and, uh, and, and now you're seeing it. Like, and now it's like, it's, it's spreading out over here.
0: Yeah. That kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier with like the Swedish pop becoming a part of just like Anglo pop, I guess, mm-hmm. where at that time the U S was still such a big deal that if you're Swedish, you want to get into the U S market. But mm-hmm. at this point, like you're saying we've been lapped where it doesn't really matter. You can be from wherever and you know right now it's Korea, but like the next thing could be from wherever and you can gl- create a global following relatively organically.
1: BTS were filling stadiums in America before they had any songs in English. Yeah. And not just with like, you know, Asian Americans, like just with like kids.
3: Yeah, BTS kind of bucks the um, bucks the theory that like you know you cannot get popular uh, globally unless you sing in English, which is something that like you know if you tour Europe, especially Eastern Europe, there's there's, there's a pretty big divide between um, a divided opinion over whether you should sing in your native language or sing in English, and a lot of people end up usually end up singing in, in English and. You know, one out of every hundred times it works. But BTS, yeah, it kind of breaks that.
1: Yeah, like there's lots of Spanish language stuff that's popular in America, but that's, you know, America has a gigantic Spanish-speaking population. That makes sense, yeah. And we, I'm sure we have a, millions of people over here who speak Korean, but that's not necessarily what's driving this.
0: Yeah. In a way, I think that's really heartening. Because like growing up, I always felt that way of, I'll listen to music in whatever language if it's good, you know? And it's cool to see that be embraced by like a broader segment of society.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I I noticed definitely on the last uh, couple of European operators tours, there's a trend away in Western Europe from, say, like French bands singing in English or Scandinavian bands singing in English. That's interesting. It's it's a lot more localized. It might have something to do with like the decline in I I think uh, like capital I indie rock kind of crested has crested. So oh yeah, so it's it's definitely (laughs) crested. But uh, but you know maybe there's not as much of a a, an idea that you could go to the UK and make money being a, a Finnish band that sings in English but i think it has has to do with i i think it has to do with uh, kind of like uh in every
1: everybody kind of going inward a little bit there's, with the pop stuff there's kind of a flattening too where it's like bts is so boundary breaking in all these ways but they make this music that sounds like bruno mars and fucking like yeah. jay balvin doesn't sound that different from bruno mars either like It's like it's like uh, the languages are different, but the fucking grammar is the same.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yep, it's like more homogenized than ever. At the same time, that it's more diverse than ever in a different sense. Yeah, Yeah. very like paradoxical and weird. That is like it is hard to know what to think of that. Like musically, it sucks, but culturally, it seems cool. I guess, or I don't know how to. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but...
3: Yeah. Well, it's very different than, like, um, you know, American rock and roll sweeping through Europe in, like, post-war. Or or even, like, rap music or, or Detroit techno being exported, you know, globally. Mm-hmm. Where people were like, we've never heard anything like this. And the, just the sound of it is, uh, you know, culturally significant.
1: And the fact that, like, the people writing the BTS songs that are hitting over here are just like English and American pop music functionary people and fucking, I guess, label bosses. Yeah. So it's like the most, like, it was something like, you know, a lot of the rap that's gotten popular in the last couple of years is like pretty chaotic and unpredictable. And like, mm-hmm. and so I don't think there's like a, a conscious effort on labels parts to be like, well, but here's this thing where everybody like, Shows up on time and does what they're supposed to do and hits their choreographed moves. But I think there might be an element to that too. It's like the stuff is not dangerous in any way. It's not countercultural in a way that I can really like detect, at least.
0: Yeah, I don't think so at all. And I think th- and that's making me think of something that Alex has brought up in the past that uh, we're kind of in an era where music technology is only advancing in like how powerful computers are and stuff like that. But there's not really like a brand new sound. Any Like we already have electric instruments. We have digital instruments. We have, you know, like synths have advanced to a certain point where you're not really getting new tones out of synths anymore. But it's look, like
1: Drill you know, is a relatively new sound.
0: But even that feels like forever, like even that feels, you know, that was at least 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, you that know? was 10
1: years. Ago. It's like gone through different mutations and stuff, but it's like, it's... Mm-hmm. I feel like in the past couple of years, that has become like that is like replaced like trap music is like the default like global rap sound. Like, if you're yeah, sure. in Ghana starting to make rap music, you're going to be making drill music right now. Yeah,
0: but it's like when was the first Chief Keefe mixtape? I gotta like gotta be like 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. It's like music almost advances slower now in terms of those kind of progressions because yeah, you think about 1960 versus 1970, oh, that's yeah. massive, and then. Twenty eleven to twenty twenty one, it's really surprisingly small difference. It's just the way that that it's distributed.
2: Monoculture.
0: Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah, I think the the technology thing is a big point too. Like a lot of a lot of like, I'm thinking of like '80s hits, just kind of based around like, hey, there's a sequencer that the the clock on it is
1: relatively stable. You know, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or, hey, we... Uh,
1: we or, like, them. an actual real drum sound instead of just this, like, click.
3: Exactly, yeah. You've got an entire genre of music is birthed out of that. Or, like, uh, oh, we found out that these Roland products that were supposed to accompany singer-songwriters actually sound amazing if you just abuse the shit out of the filter.
1: That's, you yeah, know? that's what autotune was. I was yeah, like, working totally. on this. Like, uh, autotune was... It existed for, like maybe like eight months before believe by share came out and that was and and like they figured out like oh we can make you sound like a robot and like do shit that you're not supposed to do
3: that yeah in a lot of way that, that ways that's uh, that is the history of like post-war popular music is is a new piece of technology comes out it's uh barely usable and somebody works it into a song you know
1: but the uh, technology re- isn't used to make music it's used for communication and so yeah, if, exactly yeah. even if there had been like like if you know we got our friends to all buy 10 fugazi albums like in 1995 that wouldn't have mattered because there wasn't an apparatus in place where we could contact a fugazi fan in wyoming and tell him to do the same thing or whatever Here it was, was called
3: maximum rock and roll yeah. <laughs>
1: It didn't work. Maximum rock and Roll yeah. was not an agent for change. No. <laughs> um, but now like there's this like personalized mass communication device that where like these campaigns can get started and get rolling and have like instantaneous effect.
0: Yeah. For like it's both for better and for worse, but I think overall I'd rather have it this way than completely if, if things are going to be manipulated, I'd rather people have a role in manipulating them than only the label side. So at the end of the day, is it great? No. But is it better than it could be?
2: Yeah, I think it rocks. So there was a thing, uh,
1: I want to say it was last year, where like Justin Bieber was about to put out a single. And he put up a thing on Instagram that was like the artist isn't supposed to do this. Like the fans are supposed to share this information among themselves. It's not supposed to be top down and he deleted it right away, but it was like, okay, so here's what you can do. So we can get this song to number one. And it was like, if you have the song like on repeat on a streaming service and you don't have your volume on, then it won't count. So if you're like going to sleep with this song on repeat, just have it on like the lowest possible volume, but not (laughs) muted. It was like stuff like that. And it was super embarrassing and it didn't work. Like the song didn't go to number one.
0: Yeah. It's funny that that's taboo, even though that's exactly what they want.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Because The shit won't work unless it's fan drink generated, which I guess is what organic is at this point. Like, you know, It's a that's a meaningless term anyway. But like, yeah. um, If the fucking like, it's a maxim, right? Like that you can't buy a hit record. Like I'm reading this book called Hitman. Y'all read this about like basically criminals in the music business?
0: No,
3: no. I need to read that. that, that There's
1: a lot about like Morris Levy and stuff, but like. So, you know, there's all these like cabals and workarounds and things that the music business have done to basically like work around payola being illegal or stuff like that. Um, But it's it's always been like if your song doesn't actually connect with people, then it still won't hit. Like all you could do is like clear out a lane and like shut down people who aren't playing ball. Um, Mm -hmm. But if like if you are playing ball, it's no guarantee that you're going to do well. You have to play ball and like actually like have a song that people like. And I guess BTS have a thing that people like.
3: So what you're saying is that uh, the E1 album has a chance to go to number one if we activate a fan base. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Really? You got to get that boulder rolling.
0: We got to get uh, Fortune Kit to the top of the charts. Everyone who's listening to this now needs to just listen to it 24-7 <laughs> with the volume on like one. That's right. Now listen to it all night long, on repeat, all volume
2: all the way up so people can hear it through the walls and they hear it and think it's cool and check it out.
0: I Actually, I th- my new advice is actually uh, find whatever position that BTS fans uh, approve of and then tell them what they want to hear. They'll start buying you dinner. They'll start listening to this show. And we can ingratiate ourselves with BTS, so that's going to be our strategy going forward. That's right. We love BTS. They're great.
1: Yes. Yeah. They just had me on here to tell me I suck. That's really what. <laughs> yeah. That's what you, y'all should take away from this.
0: We're making an example of this <laughs> bastard who tried to get yeah. in the way. We're in the pocket of big hit entertainment.
3: You asked for a public dressing down, and that's what we're giving you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, now get out of here! But uh, thanks for stopping by. You know. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.